Hello, my name is Justice, and this is our third episode of the Education is Broken, and we are here to fix it podcast. I am joined by my co-host. Uh, I'm Dave Furness. I am the Senior Vice President of Marketing at 24-7 Teach. It's a pleasure to be here as always. Yes, and our distinguished guest. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Arnstein. Um, I'm the head of the school design team at 24-7 Teach, and i uh, been a teacher for over 30 years now. Wow, nice. So you're just about getting used to it, Dave, yeah? Yeah, just settling in. <laughs> <laughs> well, as always, I am the CEO of 24-7 Teach, and I look forward to a great conversation tonight. Awesome. So to kick things off, gentlemen, today we are talking about why children are more than just a grade. Uh, now, this is a, a subject which is, you know, really get, gets me sort of passionate because I truly believe that right now, again, taking some of my experiences from the UK system, is that schools seem to be running much more like businesses right now and it's all about what percentage of students are passing you know a star to c grades and it, it everything is about grades and college and universities you need so many a stars or so many a's or so many points in order to get into the admissions process and i just feel that this is this isn't this isn't fair in a number of ways and, and don't get me wrong i understand it is a a, a yardstick by which we can measure supposed ability but i think it's uh, allowing too many students to fall through some gaps here, and there has to be a better way um what do we what do we think about this are children more than a grade well dave i really hear you i mean i teach in a high school so you know grades are a huge issue among the students and there's tremendous competition um for grades you know, one of the reasons, as you said, I mean, grades serve a lot of different purposes. Um, you know, yeah. they're used to give feedback to students so students can uh, know how they're learning and get an assess, you know, kind of an idea of how they're doing. But it's also used to kind of sort students. Uh, and it's used as selection criteria, you know, from for other things kind of unrelated to learning. And when that happens, I think grades become, uh, you know, something really different than, you know, what they should be and what they were kind of intended to be. Uh, in the education world. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I see that all the time. Hmm. Yeah. Justice, what, what are your thoughts or experiences with this? In my opinion, I, I, I think there I think there's always a place for grades, like there's always a place for standards and there's always a place for accountability. And mm -hmm. there's always a place where data can improve performance. But Absolutely. The problem with grades is definitely how they are looked at and utilized in school settings. It really represents the value of the child. Hmm. And young learners especially, they internalize what the letter grades mean. And in a sense, they, they look at those letter grades as, okay, this is my self-worth, this is my value. And really what's not communicated is that a grade is just a measure for point uh, at a point in time. So it's just like your height, right? Like, okay, mm -hmm. on this day and at this time, I am 4'11". Now, does that mean you're going to stay 4'11"? In some cases, yes, but in, in most cases, no. And 
does that 411 mean that you will not be successful in in the world or in, in, in your endeavors? No, but the connotation when you look at grades in K-12 schools and even in, in, in some post-secondary schools is that your letter grade is really determining how far you will go in the world and who yeah. you are as a person. And I think that is a very bad context and that is something that really hurts learners and really hurts our educational system. I, I would totally agree. I think an interesting fact of life when we get to a certain age, and for me it probably wasn't until I was maybe 24, 25, I fully begin to understand what I was actually good at, like what I naturally uh, more able to understand and learn quickly and, and, and move on. And this is, you know, we spoke with this briefly about Dialio, uh, sorry, with Dialio in the last podcast. He's like, he's the CFO. Numbers are his thing. You know, he's much better at understanding numbers than I could ever be. Like numbers was my downfall. But on the flip side of that, I would be a much better than Dialio would. You know, I understand like behavioral patterns and things like that. And I think there's a, there's a, seems to be a lot of pressure on children, especially like you said, through middle school, high school, to be perfect, to be good across the board, to get A's in everything. And I just think, is, is that a realistic, you know, expectation to put upon children at such a young age? Yeah, I agree with you, David. I think it even goes deeper than that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, because grades, you know, when, when students are competing for grades, it really discourages them from taking any kind of a risk. You know, if, if you feel like your whole future depends on you getting an A in a particular class, you know, why would you try uh, some creative risk or some intellectual risk or to really push yourself uh, into an area that, you know, might be a weakness of yours that you need to develop, uh, you know, so that we're creating a culture where, uh, you know, students can't learn through some of the best mechanisms of learning, which are trying things that you've never done or, uh, you know, trying something that you fail at and then learning from your failure. You know, that, that the educational culture right now, because of grades, doesn't allow for those really authentic uh, mechanisms of learning that are so powerful for children. How does that relate to assessments uh, in education well, right now? Sure. I mean, assessments are the tools that, you know, teachers are using to try and provide feedback and, uh, you know, either to students for their own learning or for teachers to see if they need to cover content uh, more. And there's, there's lots of different philosophies and, and kind of practice around assessments. But, but one way you could break them up into, you know, what people call formative assessment or summative assessments, where formative assessments would be, um, you know, a student taking a uh, quiz or a test or some kind of exercise, getting the feedback, seeing how they did on it, but it wouldn't count toward their grade. Um, you know, whereas the summative assessment would be, uh, you know, where a student does a similar activity, but the teacher's then going to take it, you know, and grade it and record that grade uh, and use it to calculate uh, for a course grade. Uh, you know, one great metaphor that I heard between formative and summative assessment is that if you're cooking, if you're a cook in a restaurant and you're producing a meal and as you're cooking it, you're tasting it, that's the formative assessment. Uh, but when you serve it and the customer tastes it, that's the summative assessment. You know, kind of that high stakes one shot. <laughs> uh, 
know, and, and then you get the evaluation. That is a great point. I've never heard that before. And that is real life. And I can definitely appreciate mm-hmm. preparing learners for those high stakes situations where pressure's on the line and you have to perform. No, I, I definitely get that. And I, mm-hmm. I can see the value in that. But if, let's say, a particular patron of that restaurant and of that chef says, you know what, I just didn't, I didn't like the food today. What does that say for the chef? Is he fired? Is he forever given a particular grade or looked at in a certain way? Or does he have a he or she have a chance to redeem themselves at, an, at another time? That's 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 the question. Yeah, and most professionals will ask for and receive feedback, you know, as part of their work process. You know, so mm-hmm. that you know that chef probably has you know as people who he's working with and getting feedback all the time in preparation for, you know, the work, the professional work that he has to do or she has to do, you know, it wouldn't just be, um, you know, that one opportunity, which we see all the time in school, you know, you could be going through a course, uh, you'll study a bit, bunch of material, take a test on it, get the grade and then just move on. Um, yeah, no yeah, opportunity yeah. to learn about the things that you got wrong on the test. Uh, no opportunity to, you know, improve yourself and try again. Uh, you know, it's kind of a relentless pace. That's such an interesting thing. I never even, I never even thought about that. But even like all of the major tests that I took in the UK school system, like GCSEs, A levels, even uh, up to degree level, you do a piece of work, you know, you do an exam or you know some coursework, and you hand it in and you never see it again. In most cases, you never actually see, like you say, what you got right and what you got wrong. And how can you be expected to learn or how to improve if you don't know what you got right or got wrong in the first place? It seems like such a flawed system now that, we, <laughs> now that you mention it. It's like, because like you said, Justice, Justice is absolutely right. Like through KPIs and everything else in most business senses, you get, you know, you have indicators that are there and you get feedback, not constantly, but regularly and, you know, consistently, almost like Kaizen, you know, constant improvement. Um, but the, the, school, the grading system at school doesn't, doesn't lead to that. It's literally you have one shot. And, I mean, again, I love the, what you said before, David, about um, – Risk-taking, again, and Justice, I know you can relate to this, again, being entrepreneurial, you know, we are probably much more risk-averse than, than a lot of people in, in what we've done in life. And is school then teaching children that risk is a bad thing and to play it safe and to, you know, play play the uh, play the game, play the safe game and, and therefore not take the risks and not potentially be great or amazing or whatever it could be? Are we stifling creativity in a way? I believe so. And mm. we're, we're fostering an environment of competition and a, I mean, a, of an environment of you as a, you as a person and, and really with no collaboration. Like what part of your grade right now as a student is collaborative? I'm sure when I was in school, I would say less than 5% of whatever my, whatever grades I achieved were collaborative. 
And believe it or not, like cheating, as an example, is uh, it really was the only times where you could see collaboration in how one person supporting another, even though that is definitely looked at moralistically as something bad. But at the end of the day, the skill of getting someone to support you and give you an answer and you potentially giving that person an answer and for the benefit of, of both of you, like that's true collaboration. And that's what makes people successful in their professional day-to-day lives. So it's interesting that grades and our traditional education system actually it, it points in the other direction in what learners should be learning. Are they, are they learning, well, let me hide my paper, let me study, let me do this, and my grade is my grade? Or mm-hmm. what value that you get and what I've gotten, can we share that value so we all succeed? And I think that is a, that's a place where we, we need to look at and re-examine our philosophy around grades and what we should do next for the next generation. Yeah, I agree. That would be, I mean, that would be such a huge shift for schools uh, to try and emulate that. I mean, you think about like the real world and the work environment, you know, you want employees, if they don't know something, <laughs> they will admit that they don't know it and they will mm-hmm. you know, ask someone for the answer. You know, you don't want someone who's trying to fake it or, you know, uh, you know, is afraid to admit that they don't know. And, uh, you know, in schools, it's almost like the opposite. Uh, you know, that even if you do collaborative work in a school setting, you know, very often you'll work together in a group, you'll produce something, um, and then you'll have to sit down uh, by yourself, right, and take a timed assessment, um, you know, that will measure just a tiny sliver of the experience you had, you know, collaborating with the group. Uh, you know, it's really, it's really bizarre how, how far off the mark, um, you know, the current method of grading really is. Hmm. So, David Arnstein, from your perspective, what is the solution to this? How do we fix this? Um, well, there's a lot of movements to, uh, you know, the proposing ideas and kind of shifting the way we do grades. You know, there's one, uh, you know, movement which is kind of mastery assessment or, or standards-based assessment where you have really clear expectations uh, for what students are supposed to learn and students are given you know, the opportunity and the time and support uh, to learn that. Uh, it doesn't assume that there's going to be a distribution of grades or that students are going to compete for the grades, but it really is, um, you know, e- you know, e- every student kind of learning the best that they could learn uh, toward those standards. Uh, there's also lots and lots of schools are looking more and more at, at students developing portfolios of their best work. So these mm-hmm. are... Um, you know, either uh, research papers or written work or artistic uh, work and performances or academic, you know, labs for science, like all different kinds of activities that students are engaged in where they have time to practice, uh, get better, uh, learn and grow in that activity. And then they would produce, you know, a portfolio quality exemplar piece, you know, and that gets uh, captured and stored for, you know, uh, some colleges now will uh, look at portfolios like that, uh, but certainly schools are, you know, trying to develop the ability to, you know, really assess and evaluate that kind of real life um, experience and work. So mm-hmm. approaches like that, um, 
you know, really, you know, if you think about it, if your goal is for students to learn, uh, you wouldn't want to set up a system that, you know, students will get one shot and then just move on and, and decide to leave that or they're not good at that and learn very little. Yeah, I guess it's like almost taking away the, okay, you've got one day to be really good. You know, you've got one day to show us what you know. Uh, or you've in not even one day, you've got two hours to sit a test and, and tell us everything you know about this subject. Um, I guess it does, it does open the door for more project-based learning, you know, methods to be introduced. Like, like you said, with portfolios, is there more ways to get students involved in a project over a longer period of time to showcase like you say a development a, a growth um rather than like you say just turning up and like i said hoping that you know you're on form this day you know everything you know everything's good no problems at home you're feeling healthy you can turn up and do your do your exam and all is well with the world is, are we seeing, do you think we'll get to that point where we actually see actually project-based learning opens much more doors and actually makes much more sense for, for, a better, for a better understanding of how well a student has grasped a concept? I think so at, at younger ages. So as, as an example, at the 24-7 Learning Academy at our school, we focus not on grades but on effort. So we want to assess your effort level and, and how much effort you put into accomplishing a goal versus mm -hmm. the goal itself or the grade that you got in, in, in your travels to or your pathway to to accomplish that goal. Effort is key because effort will determine someone's success in the long run. How far are they willing to go? How, how hard are they willing to work? And mm -hmm. essentially, the level of effort will support someone in overcoming their weaknesses to still hit their goal, to still meet, meet the objective. And when you're able to train people and, and really teach that effort is key, I think mm -hmm. in, in grade around effort, then you'll see a shift in, in accomplishment for all different types of learning then the grade is not necessarily going to be, hey, this is who you are as a person because you because of what you don't know or what you did not know at that particular time. It's, mm -hmm. hey, did you give your best? One of my favorite quotes was, um, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. <laughs> hey, you know, I, I think people can always look themselves in the mirror and kids is definitely as well. I didn't and say, you know what, I didn't give my best here, and you know what, I do deserve this grade. That mm -hmm. is far more equitable and something more acceptable than just, hey, because you don't know something at this moment in time or you weren't feeling a certain way today that supported you in really passing this test. What you do, how you do it, and the amount of effort you put forth should be the number one the number one thing that you're graded on versus yeah. what you know and who you are at that particular time. And I would definitely, definitely, definitely work to build an education system to where effort is king. 
And I think that's that's my particular answer to to the solution. Yeah, and even even looking at effort, that's just one axis that you can look at. So if you have if you're looking at a student's work uh, and you have at, you know, effort on the x-axis and you have, um, you know, mastery on the y-axis. You know, some people could mm -hmm. master things with very little effort. Um, you know, other students, you know, will take a huge effort, you know, to make a little bit of progress uh, toward, a, toward an educational goal. You know, what I love about mm -hmm. the Learning Academy is that, you know, we have a whole set of kind of disciplines and habits and behaviors, you know, that lead to uh, success in school and in the rest of their lives. And, you know, different students at different ages will be in different places, you know, where they are. So we develop, you know, we give all these different assessments and we have all these expectations, you know, around uh, their growth mindset, their technology skills, like it's a skill-based curriculum. So we're really looking mm -hmm. at across this wide range of skills, you know, how are students progressing over time? So it's a, it's a very different, you know, approach to you know, what success looks like and doesn't really include the same concept of a grade that you see in a traditional school. Yeah. All right. I think success is such a, an umbrella term these days. You know, what might be successful to one child uh, could be a failure to another. Uh, and when it comes to grades, uh, a care for uh, his parent. Uh, he was a, he had a, he was a single parent family, but his his mother got really sick, and he was basically caring for his mother at home. So when everyone else was going home and doing homework, he was going home and making food for him, his mom, and his little brother. And you know, the, those circumstances which were outside of his control did not allow him the same. What's the, I don't know what the word is. It's the same scope of uh, success or perceived success when it when it came to grades. So for him to get a C in an exam, that was great. That was exactly you know that was what he was aiming for, uh, because there's no way he had he had the ability or the time uh, or the you know the circumstances to put the effort in to get an A. Whereas you know Mr. A star student. If he got a C, he'd be devastated. So it's, you know, we're, we're judging everybody by the same goalposts uh, or by the same measuring stick, but ultimately we don't know what everybody's individual circumstances are. Yes, I would agree, and I would, I would, I would say it this way: not everybody's playing the same game, and so mm. when you're comparing apples to oranges, you know, you can't. It's it's two different two different groups, two different eating experiences, and that's to your to your point, Dave. Like, hey, the experience of me having the responsibility to go home and take care of my family at a young age is teaching yeah. me different lessons, and I have different responsibilities versus someone who is just going to school, doing their homework, and not necessarily having those responsibilities. So, you know, when we so, and that's this, that's the ironic thing is like. That that child who I was friends with, he may have only got C's, but I would argue he was much more prepared for life than any of us were when we finished, you know, school. Because he knew how to cook, he knew how to clean, you know, he 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 had he knew how to handle a lot of responsibilities that most of us had no idea about. Yeah, and probably what he had to do to get a C in those situations was probably the same thing that other learners had to do to get A's. 
So when you, when you I, yeah, look at absolutely. it, you know, who benefited the most? Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> it's funny. It's easy to sit here and kind of uh, rag on grades. You know, especially as, you know, as high school <laughs> so, teacher, so what to, we've been doing. Yeah, <laughs> I have to give a lot of them out. Um, but I wonder what, um, you know, obviously grades have been around, uh, you know, certainly not forever, but a long time, the grading systems that we have now. And, uh, you know, it, it's easy to see the benefits from the, you know, from the selection process perspective. Um, and also just, you know, teachers who have, you know, lots of students that they're trying to give feedback to. It's an efficient and quick way uh, to kind of make a statement. Uh, it's it's more comp complicated for me to, to think of what are the benefits you know that the students are getting from our current system. You know mm -hmm. because you know as all as both of you were talking about, there's so many different things that go into you know what's going on for student and the capacity for learning at that moment, um, or even just their you know do grades even predict you know what their potential is you know given the right circumstances and environment. And so we're asking that one single letter number to do so much. Um, yeah. It almost seems like it's impossible, uh, you know, to do that. So of course, you know, schools have other types of feedback they give students. You know, the, their peers give them feedback. Of course, teachers are writing sometimes writing reports or narratives. But I think mm -hmm. more and more we see this over reliance on on that one metric. Yeah, I totally get it. I totally get it. And. I think we, we mentioned briefly before the recording started, you know, we, we have the likes of Bill Gates and uh, Steve Jobs, Richard Branson, Elon Musk, who all in, you know, were not what you would call academically, uh, uh, but they would definitely be perceived as successful. So like I said, are children more than a grade? Absolutely. Everybody's more than a grade because a grade does not define who you are and certainly doesn't define your potential to be successful. And there you have it. That's the paradigm shift. The grade is what, ha what takes place at a moment in time, but it doesn't define your potential for success and what you're able to create. And I think that's what we need to start communicating to to our youth and to our learning. Totally agree. Totally agree. Okay, gents, it looks like that is a good place to wrap up this week's conversation. Thank you both so much for, for joining. I think it's been a great conversation all around. And for you listening, thank you for taking the time to, to join us and find out all about what we're doing, what we're about, what our mission is, uh, and how we're looking to revolutionize the education system. Uh, if you want to get a little bit more hands-on with what we have been working on over the past year or two, head over to 247learningcenter.org and you'll be able to get hands-on with some of our project-based learning modules and find out a little bit more about what is making 24-7 tick right now. <laughs>